Welcome to the 525 Records Podcast. Oh, look at me From Austin, Texas, it's the 525 Records Podcast. My guest today is Cesar Aguilar. How you doing? Doing great, brother. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We did a podcast uh, last year all about your amazing band, Haunted Amps, and the Saboteur record. We played all the songs in chronological order. It was about three-hour runtime. <laughs> all I, the songs. <laughs> I had a blast doing it, and I feel like it's a nice archive for history that, that exists. And uh, if you want to check it out, feel free. It uh, should be up. I forget what episode number it is. But uh, What are you up to uh, these days? Are you still writing music? Yeah, brother. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, man, um, yeah, thanks again for, for coming out to Austin. It's great to see you and uh, continue to do these things. Yeah, still at it, man. Still at it. Still... Um, you know, it's like for me, 
music is always going to be my first love. Um, you know, I don't do it in the same capacity that I that I did it while I was writing those songs. But it's just, you know, it's you you know, I'm older now. You get older, and 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 you know, you're up to different things as an adult. And uh, I still keep on getting tugged in that way of you know. Um, wanting to do what I what I feel I'm meant to do, and that's you know be an artist. But then you you kind of you toggle that, or you 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 kind of you're straddling the world of responsibility and creativity. It's not an easy thing to to figure out the formula to you know. In addition to Haunted Amps, you had a band before that called Spectre in the Cab. Yeah, the song you just heard is a song called Love Love Hate. Um, we had, uh, we're currently mixing this, hoping to put it out. So look forward in the future, but I was hoping you could just talk a little bit about that song and what, what, uh, inspired it. If it's got any, uh, relevance in your later years now that's 10 years later. And... Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just hearing it with you. Um, I was reflecting on just that. Um, so, you know, love, love, hate is probably one of the first songs that I wrote. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 there in that first batch of I would say, you know, um, there was probably a batch of fifteen to twenty songs that I'm just trying to figure out who I am as a songwriter in, in my first years of writing. And I should preface this: it's not just the first song you wrote for this record; it's the first song you ever wrote. Yeah, yeah. which is incredible. <laughs> I mean, an out-of-the-park home run on your first attempt. That's crazy. Um, that's what's so fascinating about you and your bands and your your albums, your story, is, you know, you, you picked up guitar really late in life. You know, you had a whirlwind of creative inspiration that led to uh, two Spectre in the Cab records and the amazing Haunted Amps record. And um, is this level of hate, is it about anyone in particular? I mean, without naming names? Yeah. It... <laughs> I, think about, I think it's about... Hearing it now, um, my songs always, I feel like, come from specific events going on and then trying to uh, make sure that they have a more universal appeal. And I think specifically, um, maybe my relationship was enduring a stress that um, with, with my partner, whom I'm still with now, and it was probably a stress brought on by myself, you know, um, in, in, you know, that I'm, I'm still growing and trying to figure out how to do life, how to do life and, 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 and certainly how to do love because I'm not good at it. <laughs> there's a line in there. It's uh, out here. There's a lot of strange birds. Yeah. What uh, is that like some desert reference or were you <laughs> like peyote trip or something? No, no, I. Uh, the the premise of the song is is that that cliche that we have where it's like yeah I've kind of got a love hate relationship with it you know and I was fascinated that we say that right like well, I got this love hate relationship with fill in the blank right yeah and just I wrote that out and you know the way I would I imagine somebody saying that is there would be the word love slash hate right I've got and so my idea there was like my relationships um, by consciously and unconsciously, I create this love, love, hate dynamic where people love me 
and but they can also, you know what I mean, because of whatever my antics might be or the any kind of shitty behaviors that that, <laughs> that I'm exhibiting uh, end up in that kind of love-hate dynamic. And the strange birds is, you know, this, like, right? Like, you know, we would say that about people. Man, that guy's a strange bird. You ever heard that saying, or is that just me? Uh, well, Alpha Rasmussen has a song entitled Strange Bird. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you'll hear it, you know, oh, that's a strange bird. Yeah, you know? right, right. And 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 um, that, I think that that was, uh, you know, like for me, I'm fascinated by the things that we say, right? And we just take them for granted as just part of our everyday vernacular. But I like, I, I, I kind of trip out on words, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's a real interesting saying to me that there's strange birds, you know? If I recall correctly, you are, were an English major. Yeah. And you have a degree, right, in right. English? Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I'm fascinated with uh, some linguistical, uh, the school of thought that says you're, you know, you think in words. So anything that you can conceive or dream or possibly, I mean, in a waking state, you're you're limited by the software program that is your language, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it could be English or any other language. But you think in words, therefore, that's a limiting factor in terms of what you're capable of consciously, you know, yeah. representing. I have run in, in the last few years, um, you know, into ideas about how impactful the words that we use are to kind of form like our reality or, you know, like our experience. For example, if I have this narrative in my head every day that I'm not enough and I just reinforce that narrative, you know, that, that tends to be what I get out of life is this feeling of there not being, me not being fulfilled. And I've learned to be here in my, you know, midlife or mid, you know, middle age, I've learned to be conscious of the kind of things that I'm saying about my experience, about myself, um, because, you know, I have been prone to a lot of like negative um, self-talk, sometimes not even aware that, that I'm being that way, that I'm pretty much like beating myself up unnecessarily. So I've tried to make some strides, some real big strides and and not, and I don't know if that's in line with what, with what you're referring to, but I, I I believe that what we feed ourselves, like in terms of like what we say about our experience and, and and how we're feeling and whatnot. I mean, we've got more control of our lives than um, than we might care to admit. And so I'm trying to stay here in my middle age a little bit more aware of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, you know, it's funny how, and, I mean, everybody's got the voices in their head. Some people <laughs> have it to a certain degree more than others. Uh, I would, you know, it's fascinating to me how it's so easy to get stuck in that negative feedback loop of, oh, you suck. You'll never do anything. What are you doing? You shouldn't do this. You can't do it. You can't succeed. But, um, you know, there, although it's rare, it's harder to have that on the happy side, you know, where it's just like, man, I'm the greatest. This is the best day ever. You know, it, it, that is very fleeting and temporary for most of people. Yeah. 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 Isn't that fascinating though, man? You're, 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 you're striking a chord with me, man, because it's true. I think that, uh, a lot of us would probably say that the majority of that self-talk has got like a negative bias or a negative slant. 
And it's it's like water running downhill in a certain sense, where it's just easy, the path of least resistance is always for the, that negative <laughs> feedback loop. But That's unfortunate. <laughs> last on the last pod, we talked a little bit about Bukowski, and um, I'm just wondering who some of your other famous uh, writers are. I mean, anybody that comes to mind. Well, you know, I used to like be super voracious about um, how I read. I, I, I still read. I just don't read as much as I used to. You know, I mean, I think there was a time when, um, yeah, I mean, I was definitely into a variety of poets, you know. I, you know, funny enough, in, in uh, Love, Love, Hate, there's a reference to um, that poet Baudelaire, Charles Baudelaire. I think he's a French poet, and I remember reading his stuff back in the day and, uh, you know, really uh, being— but that was me, man. You know, anything that was super dark— or it was like about, you know, just going through some hell of some sort. I was into it, man, because, you know, that's, I was going through my own hell. So I remember him and, you know, of course, I, I've liked some Bukowski stuff. Um, you know, philosophy-wise, I was really into reading Sartre stuff and Nietzsche stuff. And and then Camilo Sella wrote a really great book that I really enjoyed, Lorca. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm just, now I'm just like, name dropping so I, you know no i'm curious be um i you know i'm always wondering about your amazing lyrics uh, your lyric writing is really incredible and there's a wilco song that goes uh, you know takes all the words from the books that you don't read anyway and now I, i'm wondering okay is this where these amazing poetic lyrics come from famous french writers you know <laughs> is there is there an easter egg we can find perhaps where oh that's a great you know what it's funny man that you so that is that used to be um, certainly with like the Haunted Amps records and maybe even with Spectre, a lot of it would come from me like reading a book and then reading a passage and then that was it. That's all I needed. And that passage would birth an idea, like a concept, and and then it was like my secret sauce, right? I would get this passage from this, you know, I can't even tell you what book it was from for any of the songs. And then from that, I would kind of expand the idea out. And then that way you could never track it back to the author. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's the opposite of plagiarism. Even though it may appear on, you know, on a prima facie level like yeah. plagiarism, it's really not because, you know, you're not just wrote yeah. copying, you know, quotes or whatever. It's it, This is how music evolves and this is how literature evolves. You know, you, a famous writer reads and another famous writer and is inspired to create more writing. You know, same thing in music. You know, you're inspired by your... Uh, bands or artists whoever it is and then boom but next thing you know you're writing a record so i think it's i think it's awesome it's yeah fascinating. you know i i speaking to the nietzsche deal so i was reading a nietzsche book i don't even remember which one it was but he had this line um in the book that says life surpasses life and i don't know what he meant by it but i know what i thought about it and uh so that lyric made it to um uh, empty port where the chorus is life surpasses life and to me what that meant is us clint like clutching on to our lives and like being so afraid of death it 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 prevents us from living don't you be afraid to die
Oh, what a song. We should probably give a shout out to your fellow bandmates who played on this record. Uh, the, what is the drummer's name again? I always forget. The drummer is uh, Justin Swite. Justin Swite and then Seth Gibson. Seth Gibson on the bass, Justin on the drums. Uh, there's another Justin that's in the picture. The engineer who recorded this, the great Justin Douglas, as I like to refer to him. And a big shout out to him. Amazing job of engineering. And then the um, this was recorded at the Shine Studios. Yep, that's which right. no longer exists. No, but. it doesn't. It do- well, the company that he runs is 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 taken on a different name. Um, it's now called King Electric Recording Company. But the Shine, yeah, it just you know it it morphed from Shine to King Electric. And then getting getting back to sorry to jump around, but getting back to the Spectre in the cab, the drummer on that, which I know is I know both these guys' names. I just don't want to butcher them. So, if you would uh, talk about the drummer for Spectre, yeah, what's yeah, his name? that was a very good friend of mine. Uh, is is a very good friend of mine, uh, Beto Rincon, and uh, he he joined me um, to to write, you know, a saw We probably wrote several songs together but as far as like what got recorded ended up being about eight or nine songs um and he wrote five purple songs as a as a two-piece we were like a little two-piece just scrapping it out man scrapping it out and uh you know um trying to build something and then um yeah yeah so he was just great drummer man just a lot of energy and and you know for you know reflecting on those on those uh those those shows that we played together man people would come up and say man you for two guys it's a big sound and 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 it had to be because it's two of us you know what i mean and it's like (laughs) you know it's like how do you captivate an audience and we captivated them with a just a what i would say was powerful performances for real not i mean at least in my case a real novice you know musician and um, I mean, how long had you been playing guitar when you wrote the first Spectre record? L- like, less than a year. I mean, probably more generously on the more generous side would have been like two years, right. maybe. Two, you know what I mean? And I mean, it, what was your musical background before you picked up the guitar for the first time? <laughs> playing saxophone in junior high school. Really? Oh, see, now we're getting into it. Now we're getting into it. Wow. So what was, do you remember where you went to junior high? Was it yeah. here? In- no, no. I went to, so I'm from the, I'm from South Texas. So okay. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, which is like the borders. It's like the border towns to Mexico. Right. And um, I grew up in a town called McAllen, Texas. Went to a, a junior high called Lincoln High, uh, Lincoln Junior High. Um, we're talking baritone, tenor, with. Alto. Ah, Alto. Even better. Alto. Man. Alto, man. And my my music teacher was Bert Reposh and uh dude, I was ter- I was terrible, dude. Like he your embouchure sucks. <laughs> I can hear him say your fucking embouchure, you know, embouchure is terrible, Aguilar. Oh, that's great. And uh and he's like, "Why are you always mumbling crap under your breath? If you would practice as much as you mumble, I mean, I just I can just remember all the stuff he used to say to me." Man. Let's paint a visual picture for the listener. What did he? I'm imagining like an overweight old Texas dude with a big belt buckle that, without the belt buckle, overweight, uh, big old belly, um, commanding. You know, definitely six foot two, six foot four, big old thick mustache. Wore the the tinted prescribed glasses, you know what I mean? That had that tinted, like the, you know, like they look, maybe they would 
change to uh, like a sunglasses kind of lens when he would be in, you know, indoors or whatever. Oh, wow. And I mean, you know, we're about the same age. So when you were doing that in middle school, I mean, this is like the height of Kenny G, you know, and uh, yeah, it's um, what I just dying to know. Like, okay, so in some schools, band is elective and other ones like you have to take it. Did you sign up for band or was it like a required? Dude, it was just kind of the rite of passage, right? Like you were going to choose a few different options. You're either going to choose to be in choir. You were going to choose to be in music or you were going to choose to be, I think, in like fine arts, you know, like painting or whatever. Hey, folks, be sure to head over to 525records.com for some amazing artists and amazing albums. We've uh, done a couple of music videos most recently for the band Less Cash, their song Scenery. Check it out. All the podcast episodes are there. You can find news, updates, any of the old episodes, and uh, a ton of great music uh, and artists that you can listen to for free on 525records.com. Now, back to the podcast. We should probably listen to the Beyonder. Cool. This is Beyonder from Spectre and the Cab.
Beyonder from Spectre in the Cab. Fucking A, I love that song. My goodness. And the amazing drummer you heard on that track, none other than Beto Ringon. That's right. Okay. Uh, how awesome was that guy? Man. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you, you know, he was a good friend of mine. He is a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we worked in the restaurant industry together. And, uh, you know, when I got that that bug to to write music um you know he was he was my compatriot and uh yeah it was it was a uh, exciting times was uh so he worked in the bar industry with you his sister was a manager at a restaurant that i worked at uh. and then he eventually got a job there and we we hit it off immediately i mean we were just like you know, just it was like having a, a little brother. You know, he's a he's a few years younger than me, actually a decade younger than me. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just you know we would hit it off, we'd hang out, <clears throat> and then um, I don't know how the whole idea came together. You didn't put an ad in the paper. Hey, audition drummer wanted. No, no, dude, I'm not sure, man. I don't know how it came to light that um, maybe I saw a show of his. I'm not sure how he, I found out he was a drummer. But, um, yeah, you know, then I asked him if he would help me write these songs. Between Beto and Justin, uh, you hit the drummer lottery, my friend. You know, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't take it for granted. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't lost on me. They, they both brought something very unique, but both of them brought an energy that I think was, um, you know, was required for, for the music that we were writing. I would I would take a guess uh, they probably didn't show up late or intoxicated to uh, rehearsals. Yeah, that was not an issue. <laughs> I mean, you were you were you famously quit drinking seven years ago, which Bravo, sir, that's yeah. uh, incredibly awesome feat. But I mean, you were still uh, pounding booze when this was going on, right? I mean, well, actually, dude, to be fair, I had this is my second stint at at sobriety. So when when I was writing these songs with Beto, I had that was my first stint. I got sober, uh, you know, you know, I'd been uh, pretty much a, a avid drinker. <laughs> you managed the famous Whistlers on uh, East Sixth Street, which well, I went into the other day. I was standing down there. Oh, cool! And immediately they looked at me like you're not cool enough to be in here. <laughs> it was like candlelight and stone, and I'm like everybody's drinking like craft cocktails, and I'm like, yeah, can I get a double makers and a Lone Star? <laughs> they just kind of slap the can on the bar, and they're like, yeah. yeah I'm I'm not sure that I'm cool enough to be there uh, anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean that's 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 the world I grew up in. I mean I grew up in in Austin, dude. It's real easy to. Um, it can be like a Peter Pan land. I think I've talked about this before, and certainly I feel like I learned how to drink 
It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pastime here. So I, I really learned how to drink uh, here. And then, you know, when it got out of hand is when I had to do something about it. I think a big part of why I had this like creative spurt was I stopped drinking and then I needed a, a way to kind of, you know, get all of this energy out that I was usually was, was being stunted by me, you know, me getting obliterated. Our, in our band, that was the whole routine is we would get tanked and then practice. That was like the routine, but I'm just curious, what about Beto? Did, was he a big drinker? Or? Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was, no, I, to my knowledge, no, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if they were just out of respect for me. Um, but certainly, um, yeah, booze was not, it was not present during practice. And I don't know if I like, you know, slammed my fist down and said, you know, uh, this is not going to happen, you know, while we're trying to get this thing off the ground. I don't know if I was authoritarian like that. Um, but um, it's it's just not something that really came up, you know. I don't know if it was by their own choice, they were out of respect for the fact that I would, had chosen not to drink, or it's just not like we were all kind of on the same page about you know trying to get this music going, you know. Yeah, you know that's uh, it, that's what makes these projects so special. Again, is you know the seriousness. It wasn't like you're. I mean, I'm sure in Chicken Shift they suck down a few beers at practice, and you know, in in our world, in our bands, it was like you know we're trying to live out some rock star fantasy of excess, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's good to hear. Well, we, you know what? Let's uh, let's give him a call. Let's see if he's uh, going to pick up the phone. This is the famous drummer for Spectre in the Cab. Cool, Beto. We'll see what happens. I wonder if he'll pick up because he's seeing the Vegas area code. It's actually a 218. Okay. Hi, this is Beto Rincon. Sorry I missed your call. Please leave a message and grow food. <laughs> At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or... Hey, Beto. Beto, welcome to the 525 Records podcast. Thanks for uh, taking a phone in here. Uh, you played Inspector in the Cab. Your, your drums are amazing on those recordings. And uh, I don't know, let's, uh, what kind of kit were you rocking back then? <laughs> uh, that was uh, a Frankenstein kit. It's uh, a company out of Transylvania. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it was all pieces, man. It was, it, was, it was like a total just hodgepodge. I'm, I didn't really care about gear till much, much later. <laughs> So it was just a hodgepodge kid. I was just learning about good heads back then. Um, definitely now uh, like a Remo pinstripe head guy now. But back then it was really just what I could put together and uh, probably really old Zildjian symbols if I had to remember. Yeah. Um, I'm dying to know if, you know, most drummers, they're so spread thin because everybody needs one. And so almost all drummers end up playing in three bands at once. Were you in multiple bands at this time when you were doing Spectre? I was. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And they were all awesome bands. I had some um, really good friends that I had known from the house that I was living in when I first moved there. And um, they were all UT college students and they were doing like indie pop. Uh, type of type of music, um, kind of animal collectivey type of of compositions, um, really fun stuff. And then I was in uh, I was in an elect like an electronica band with one of uh, Cesar and I's former coworkers. Actually, um, they who, were who is uh, that? Uh, Damon. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Rage, Rage Ranger. Yeah, dude, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I was in Rage Ranger, and uh, and then I lived in another house uh, in Austin where everybody was was a musician, and that was there. I mean, there were a bunch of people living. It was like a commune, so there were all kinds of styles of of music going on there. But yeah, your hunch is correct. I was in a whole bunch of stuff at that time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I got to know, because it's a podcast and I'm trying to extract some podcast gold, like who won out when there was like, oh, we can only practice on Friday. You know, what band was the the top of the shop? Uh, well, I really liked what this one was doing um, just because uh, Cesar and I's like chemistry was just really, really good. And I don't know, you know, how much he's told you about rehearsals and stuff but um i reflect on our rehearsals all the time so they're really uh reflective meditative for i think for both of us and so um the ritual of our of our the ritualistic nature of our band was was pretty uh invaluable for for me and so uh, i mean specter was definitely at some like definitely at the top there was a lot going on with uh, with with Canopy and the other thing, but one thing about uh, Canopy was the other band I was in. But the other thing about Spectre is that we were actually documenting and recording, which are which is the reason why you know you're talking to us right now is because we actually had documentation of of what was going on. Canopy was like we just put on really good shows, but then we never recorded, and so that's why Spectre was so was you know has become so special is because that stuff is is documented you know and like he sent me apollo jupiter and i i hadn't heard that in forever Uh, took me right back to I didn't even remember where we recorded or how many songs or whatever but it took me right back to that conservatory you know going there uh, and playing you know kind of like into the abyss of of uh, West Austin <laughs> <laughs> and that was just really cool to know that we were out there playing that playing that music you know so Hey Beth, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, brother, um, because I I couldn't answer Elliot. Um, but yeah. do you remember like how we how we broached the 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 subject of playing together? That I was it that I saw you out somewhere and said, "Hey, could you help me?" I I don't really remember, you know, what kind of birthed the whole you know relationship of of of, of us you know writing and. I- and well, I mean, because I think Spectre was—I think Spectre was one of the last things I did. I think in Austin, I, wasn't it like two thousand and nine? About two thousand seven, eight, nine, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, at that time, I was playing in a—I was playing in a bunch of different stuff, but I don't know. I don't know if it was that you were coming to like canopy shows, or if you heard me. Play, like play I, I feel like 
I feel like you, honestly, you were, um, you had been writing poetry, obviously, for a long time. And then you just started playing guitar. And I remember you were getting really good really fast because you were like obsessed with it. Uh, that's and, an understatement. Uh, that he was obsessed with it? That he was really good really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so then you started, I mean, and we and we were already friends because of work, and so I think just, like, on our off days, we started just hanging out, um, but now with instruments, but I, I think that, I, I honestly think it was kind of like, I've, I have words, I'm starting to kind of figure out how to put it to music, I might need some <laughs> drums, can you come over? Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> I think I think that's kind of how it was because I remember I remember you had already, I remember you had a lot of poetry already written because uh, you're an English major in college, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I know that you had a bunch of stuff already written. It was just a matter of, of putting it to music, and then that just like went together with you uh, getting on guitar, and then little by little you were getting like uh, home recording stuff, and that fit with me because, like I said before, I was just like hodgepodging drum sets at that time. I didn't really care about. I obviously didn't have the money for fancy kits and I also just didn't care. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, uh, what I've, we, we were talking earlier about the uh, Spectre rehearsals and apparently you guys set up every time you practiced in the living room. So I'm imagining yeah. you, you, you had to bring a kit in a car, set it up and then break it down, put it back in the car, like a road gig. Is that really how? Yeah. Yeah. It was very rare. <laughs> It was very rare for me to leave the stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible. What are uh, do yeah. you, what are your memories of Mr. Seth Gibson? I mean, a couple things. First of all, I really didn't know him that well, but he and I kind of just gelled as the rhythm section, and his just demeanor was like. I mean, again, I'm talking about him like this because he was new to me, so his demeanor was just like really, really great, and we just kind of hit it off, and then we started putting things together along with Sessad and as we're putting things together, it was kind of like, Oh man, this is totally adding, you know, like, Oh, three piece. Okay. Three piece. Yeah. This is cool too. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that was my impression is the ex excitement of adding the third, that little third dimension. Obviously once we got into rehearsals together, yeah, the dynamic was, was great and i think it all went to, together really well well if i could get serious for a moment um you know you guys okay. are, you guys are rehearsing everything's going great you're playing shows live at the mohawk making recordings uh cruising along uh, take me back in time to the day where you had to sit down and say i'm leaving the band oh man uh i think it might have so i don't actually i think I think it was, I had, uh, Canopy was possibly going to go on a tour and uh, the, ba the band leader of Canopy was like trying to figure out a tour situation and he'd been talking a, a big game, none of which came to fruition, mind you. But back then there was like big talk about some kind of, you know, kind of elevating it. And so I felt uh, like it was possibly time to narrow narrow it down to how many projects i was doing 
for guitar players and uh, you know frontmen, it is devastating and heartbreaking when the drummer leaves. And I'm just picturing a day where, and it's also it's very rare to maintain a good friendship after a split like that, which you guys have clearly maintained a great friendship even after splitting from Spectre. But I'm I'm imagining a day where you're like, oh, I got to sit down and tell Cesar that. I'm leaving the band, and I'm just wondering what that conversation was like. Did it go super smooth, or was there tension? Oh, it, just, oh, it fucking sucked. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it what did, wasn't. Uh, how did you break it to him? Like, what did you say? Oh, I think I just, like, like a normal rehearsal, I went over to the house and then just, like, told him that uh, what, what my plans were. Um, if I remember correctly, you know, he wasn't that happy about it. what do you you remember yeah yeah i mean this is a this is a i'm trying to remember i remember i I think literally i went over to the house yeah and yeah definitely did not like that i was about to or yeah i was not uh was not very excited about doing this at all and uh of course you you must have waited until after the rehearsal to break the news shit I, I wish I could remember things like that, but I, I don't at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, 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 it, it, I either waited till after practice or I just totally ruined that day of practice by quitting. I don't remember. <laughs> on a scale yeah, I, on a scale of one to five, with five being handled it well, one being fucking handled it not well. Where where did where did I fall in that spectrum? <laughs> uh, wait, which one is not well? <laughs> one. Uh, one. Yeah. You handled it probably at a, a, a three. All right, cool, man. You know, probably probably a three. You 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 were you were really skeptical of you were really skeptical of what was going to happen with Canopy. You're like you're like I don't really know like about that band. I don't really I don't really think you're making the right call, but I respect it. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> Well, there was probably a lot of insecurity and and a and a and a twinge of jealousy on my part, you know, if I could you know, be aware of probably where I was in, in my own head at that at, at that point in my life, you know what I mean? And, and I probably had a little bit of like flavor of the month thing going on. Was like, yeah, I'm going to go over here, grab free or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was young, man. I was like young and immature. <laughs> It's you know. it's so awesome to finally hear this story getting told because for 10 years I've wondered and it's been a deep mystery and it's been pretty vague and you know it's nice to get a little yeah. resolution and clarity on that. Well like I, well like I said cuz uh I mean we haven't talked much about this but li- literally one of the best things about that band honestly was the ritual of rehearsal. I don't know what Cesar has told you about that at all. Has he told you anything about like our what our rehearsals were like or the process or anything? Just scratch the surface, please elaborate. What was well, the I ritual? Just, so the ritual is always just like just hanging out before and during. So like um just conversations. One of the reasons why we're like, you know, as you mentioned, why it seems as though he and I are still very good friends is because those, those conversations more than a band, we were already friends. And I think we both were very much so in the same wheelhouse in terms of like, whatever happens with the band, we're still connected as brothers. So I don't, I think that was number one. And so the, 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 um, 
maybe what you were hearing on the recordings is also kind of, uh, you know, kind of the expression of emotions that we would be talking about in our lives during the rehearsals in terms of before we would play and, mm. and maybe during we would play. And we'd also cook. We'd also prepare meals. We'd also just drink tea. We'd also hang out with dogs and just like be friends uh, that happened to have set up instruments before we started talking. And then we'd like go and play those instruments. And then we go and go play with Opal. And then we, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just chill. <laughs> Opal's the dog. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have, yeah. You know, it's so funny that you bring, not funny, but it, it, it it's actually refreshing that you bring that up, man, because Earlier, Elliot asked me about, because uh, you know, man, like I had stopped drinking as well when we had built the, we'd formed the band. And he's like, you know, sometimes bands get together and they get sloshed. And then that's kind of part of the part of the deal. And I, sometimes. And I, <laughs> and I was saying to him, it's like, I don't know if the guys out of respect for me didn't do that or it's just not, it, it's just not something that even we, it was even brought up. But what I was getting, what I'm, where I'm going with all this is that I feel that to your point, you know, there was just something, it was very cathartic, the whole experience, right? Cause yeah, we were, yeah. we were hanging out as, as friends and as brothers discussing life. And then, you know, just by pure happenstance, we happened to make music together. And I think that that made for a dynamic that allowed for a lot of music to pour through, you know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of, to my, I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, the, the, the stressing out that you hear about with other bands where there's, you know, this, I hope I wasn't some like authoritarian, authoritarian band leader saying, no man, the fucking song's wrong and you gotta, you know, yeah. gotta do yeah. this. You know, you guys yeah. aren't sleeping with each other's girlfriends and uh, having, <laughs> having fistfights backstage. I mean, it's so special and magical when you when you're in a band like that in that situation where everybody's on the same page, everybody's motivated, serious, taking it seriously. You know, it's uh, it's just special and it doesn't happen very often. I mean, it does to drummers because drummers are always in, but as a guitar player, you know, or a bass player, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are you up to these days? What are your What are some of your current projects? Uh, so I play, uh, I play very little music at this point. Um, I do, I just recently, uh, I did just recently, uh, purchase a, a sonar, a sonar kit, which is the most expensive kit I've ever owned since fourth grade. <laughs> I started in fourth grade, so this is the most, the fanciest kit I've ever had. But, uh, I'm starting to invest in a little bit of recording equipment. So now that I have it, I'm just kind of building it so that something will come of it. Right. Field of dreams. Style. Are you are you a multi instrumentalist? Do you play guitar or anything else besides drums? I, uh, when I was eighteen, I started picking up guitar and started taking it a little bit more seriously. When I was twenty one, uh, and then I play a traditional Mexican instrument called the jarana. It's like a it's like a glorified ukulele. But uh, I went I went back to school and then went to grad school and I started uh, teaching. And so now I, I uh, teach um, traditional Mexican folk dancing in a school district. Uh, cool. uh, and that's what I do for, for a living. But like I said, I recently started investing in some music, musical equipment and instruments and things. So definitely want to start dabbling in, uh, recording my own stuff. Um, have you, have you always been a, a songwriter even 10 years ago or is this uh, something new? Uh, honestly, I have 
been teaching myself guitar slowly since I was 18, but not really ever putting words to anything. So I end up just writing a lot of riffs on guitar, and that's about it. So, yeah. Would you be open to dragging that, I'm sure, $5,000 sonar kit down to Austin and possibly recording again? Uh, yeah, if the schedule, if the schedule uh, you know, is good, yeah. Cool. Have to, like I told you, said earlier today, if uh, if we calendar it just right, I'm a I'm a paper calendar guy now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that would be one hell of a reunion uh, in the recording yeah. studio. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's. It, it's. Uh. You know fondest memories uh of, of the whole music journey is you know been has been for me is is making music with beto because it was super ritualistic man it was like and uh you know when we were into it you know we were we were super disciplined i, I think i would say you know what i mean like we we held to it you know we said hey we're gonna do it on this day we would do it you know yeah yeah well you can yeah, hear- I, don't really, I don't really remember a lot of like I don't really remember a lot of like, God damn it, Bethel, where are you? I don't really remember me like skipping out a lot. No, dude. You know, this, the synchronicities on this podcast today, you mentioned Wilco. We were talking about Wilco. Uh, there's been a number of them. And I, I, right before we called you, we played Beyonder. And we were, uh-huh. I was glowing about your amazing drum work. And I'm like, yeah, and I, I bet he never showed up late or intoxicated to rehearsal. And uh, it's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's from his own lips. He said it. Dude, and, and by the way, dude, Beyonder's getting reworked, um, and, and we can thank Elliot for that. I mean, the, the initial draft, if you will, of, of, of how it's getting remixed sounds just light, light years ahead of what was the original stuff. And, and dude, the drumming on that, on, on that song, brother, if you ever need a, a, a reminder of uh, just how dynamic your, your style was and, and how just how how individual it was man is that is that song right there man that song is just like dude i can't believe some of the stuff you're doing on that song i need to i need to listen to this i don't think i remember this song man well now that i have your number i'm gonna get in touch with you and i'll cut you in on the loop and this whole mixing process we're we're hoping and you know you're on we need to get you on the same page too for uh releasing this music so that's yeah. that's the plan. Uh, five purple songs, and the there's three amazing cuts from your guys's conservatory session that we're gonna slap on an EP and uh, hopefully put out. Oh shit! Okay, cool man. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. That, yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Uh, I still want to hear all the original. Yeah, the like the original Beyond. I'd be I'd be really uh, intrigued to uh, to listen to that. Um, yeah, I'll send it no, over. That, yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that that conservatory session, uh, that was that was special. That was, I mean, again, like the the things that I remember were, yeah, we're you know getting to finally record with a bass player that was badass, but also just the location. I remember like pulling into that, and it was kind of like you're pulling into woods, and then there's this recording studio. Yeah, you're you like, know? where the and, fuck uh, are we? Like, who's, yeah. who's this Who's this super rich dude that owns this? Are, are we going to get murdered in this yeah. enchanted forest? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was... Yeah, and I, then, and then uh, you know, the windows. I remember the windows, and just like, this is a fucking cool place to record. Yeah, dude, it was, um, dude. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Twitter, Instagram, any of that garbage, or are you uh, just living life? Uh, I am, just as myself, yeah. 
Bethel Rincon. Yep. Cool. And uh, I do some like I have two pages on Instagram because I do some food stuff. Uh, so I run this page called the Que Bonito Project. Um, it's like sustainable food systems stuff and some of my cooking and stuff on there. We um, listened to your message and uh, you said. You know, hey, this is oh. Beto and uh, grow food, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this, I love this guy already. Yeah, just from his message. <laughs> We're all just yeah. like like hippies, and at the end of the day, dude, is really what anything that came out of Spectre is just a bunch of hippies making music that like to make <laughs> like to grow food and make good food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we definitely. I mean, we. De- I remember also like we definitely, you know, cooked together before we made music together. Like how much more <laughs> yeah. realistic. How much more ritualistic can we fucking get? I mean, <laughs> that that is Austin right there. That's yeah. some Austin stuff. <laughs> yeah, straight up, dude. Yeah, you know what? That was part of it, dude. It's like I'd have you know have you over. I'm, we're gonna make some food. It's gonna be cool and fucking. We're, I I think I try to make it like I don't know if it was conscious, but I was like, dude, none of this should feel like a stressful situation. I think it's the well, the vibe I was, was going also, for. It was also mostly vegan food, so it wasn't like we were fucking making pork chops or fried chicken and then trying to play music and passing out. Like, that wasn't happening. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was fuel. It was fuel food. So, like, fuck yeah, this is going to be a great session because I'm not bogged down by fried chicken. That's right, bro. You know? That's Keep it, that vegan lifestyle. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, I'm not vegan, but I still cook a lot of fucking vegan food. Dude, on the way over, I totally forgot, and I was like, "Man, I haven't had any Austin barbecue yet. Let's, <laughs> let's go out to dinner." Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Elliot was like, "Yeah, I haven't had any Austin barbecue," and I was like, "I'm gonna just let him sit with that for a little bit, and he'll." <laughs> I feel like a dumbass. Yeah, he'll come I'm back around. Break the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the bands I've been in, you know, if one guy brings a couple seven-layer burritos from Taco Bell and a six-pack of Pabst or something <laughs> something else horrible, and then you wonder why you, you get a little lethargic halfway through rehearsal. I mean, yeah, too, no, no, we fun. were we were definitely fueling ourselves with good shit. So I loved it. Yeah, awesome, man, awesome. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much for uh, you know having us talk to you over the phone today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch shortly. And uh, yeah, Beto Rincon, thanks for calling in to the 525 Records podcast. Appreciate it. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, have a good one. You You got it, brother. Take care, man. Woo. Dude, you went for it, man. I'm proud of you for going into the the breakup story, you know? Come on, I'm Howard Stern here, man. I need I need some fuck I need podcast gold is what I need so that I was like a shark stalking how can I get him to talk about leaving the band and if you Dude, guys had a fist fight or something like you that you know what you're doing me a favor because it's therapy it is it's super therapeutic because in my mind I'm like dude does he have an old resentment um, that he's never shared with me um, do I have an old resentment right that I need to um, clear the air on. And, and you know, I wondered if what I was telling you was true. Like, I was like, well, dude, he had this band and was luring him. And to my knowledge, I think that's what I shared with you. It's like, it didn't pan out. And, and, and he does remember it that way. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Nietzsche and psychology and everything else. I mean, the, the human mind is famous for, especially when 10 years go by, you know, people remember things a little differently, you know. So, you just, uh, yeah, it's good to get everybody around the table and figure, have a post mortem.
I'm I'm glad that we remember it similarly, and I'm glad that he was honest and said that I was not happy about it because I don't remember. You know, I I want to tell myself that you know I was probably super diplomatic, but I was probably a dick. You know, <laughs> I think uh, next podcast we got to get him in here. He's oh. he's good on podcasts. You can tell like this guy's great. Yeah. He needs to be on the mic, not over the phone. Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh yeah he's uh. He's always been good like that. You know what I mean? That's that that's that's what I think troubled me with his departure was just how good of a like together we were good performers. And that, you know what I mean? And 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 that's part of the whole deal, right? Is like yeah, you write songs, but do you understand the the performance uh aspect of what you're doing out there as a live band? And he got it. I didn't have to ask him to be like, hey, dude, you have to be more emotive. You have to like, this has to have bombast to it. This has to be anthemic. Like naturally, because of what we were writing and how we were playing, it would come out. And I'm telling you, man, like when we were playing together, um, like it would, that feeling would be transmitted to the audience. I could see it in their eyes and, and it wasn't like, we weren't putting people on, you know? Betta was into it and I was into it and it was like we are here fucking trying to uh invoke the have an invocation right and 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 like harness all of the creative energies of the world and like heal ourselves and heal you and that's what we were out there to do man yeah you guys were crossing streams as they say in Ghostbusters (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah for sure for sure you're listening to the Factory Five Records podcast. My guest today, Cesar Aguilar. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you made it this far, uh, bravo. This has been great. I mean, these are always my favorite podcasts to do. I love doing these things, and uh, I love talking to awesome people like yourself. I'm so glad you agreed to do this, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, look for Spectre in the Cab recordings uh, to come out this year, hopefully, and the incredible album, which you can actually go listen to right now on Reverb Nation and a few other spots. It's called Saboteur Lost at Sea by Haunted Amps. Really, really good podcast. Live from Austin, Texas at the Permanent Record Studios facility. Fabulous. Look them up. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's been a great talk and I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to get you and Beto to sit down at at the same table and just, I can just lay back and let you guys uh, expound upon the meaning of life, uh, (laughs) what food and uh, everything else that is... uh, tangential so yeah yeah, thanks for coming on man i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me it's always it's always a blast appreciate it all right well until next time thanks for listening to the 525 records
Tell them that you were